Let's bow for a stand, if you're able, please, according to the bulletin. And let's bow for a moment of prayer. Oh, God, once again, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the showers of blessing that have physically been coming down on this day. And everybody said we needed the rain. We might not like when it comes, but it's here. And we thank you. And we thank you for all the many blessings you shower on us all the time. Bless this worship service. May we hear something here that will change our lives and make us more Christ-like in our daily living. We ask this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Will you join me in the prayer for guidance? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. It is necessary to boast... Nothing is to be gained by Okay, it is necessary to boast, nothing is to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in a uh, caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf, of such a, on behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of, of me than, than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from going too too elated, a thorn has given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to to the Lord about this, that it, it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. <clears throat> Uh, for my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness so i will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of christ may dwell in me therefore i am content with weakness insults hardship persecutions and calamities for the sake of christ for whenever i am weak then i am strong the word of god for the people of god Let us bow for just a brief prayer. And now, O God, take these human words of mine, somehow make them your words for us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Once again, it's great to be back here at Verona. So much a part of our journey as a family and as a pastor. Appreciate you all so very, very much. Uh, I was, we were here from 1978 to 1988, 
and it was just a great time, great time for our kids. And so we thank you all for being here once again. And as we all look at each other, we know we're getting older, not getting any younger. But hey, we just uh, do the best we can. That's all we can do. But it's great to be here. I want to uh, begin by just reading this little thing. Uh, baseball season is nearly over, but the NBA starts this week, I think. And this story is about Michael Jordan, perhaps the greatest professional basketball player of all time. One night, he scored 69 points in a single game. 69. In that same game, rookie Stacy King played his first game. He shot one three throw and made it. After the final buzzer, a reporter asked King his thoughts on his first game. And Stacy King, with his tongue planted firmly in his cheek, replied, I'll always remember this as the night that Michael Jordan and I scored 70 points. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway, they did it together, one over the other, but it didn't matter. I want to talk today about grace. My grace is all you need. When I talk about grace, I'm not talking about just what you say at a mealtime. That's part of it. But grace is God loving us when we don't deserve it. Hear me now. Suppose God only loved us when we deserved it. We'd all be in deep trouble, would we? So God loves us when we don't deserve it. Apostle Paul is a good example of that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So grace is unmerited Undeserved love and acceptance by God. Romans 5 8. But God has shown us how much He loves us. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Christ died for us and loved us before we knew there was a God. So God did that. Now, before I talk about Paul, just a brief history. Some of you may or may not know this. You may need to remember it. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of Christians. He went about trying to wipe Christians off the face of the earth. In Acts 9, Paul is in his, on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. When he is knocked to the ground by a blinding light and a voice speaks to him, who is Jesus? He was so blind he could not see for three days. Saul's name after that was changed to Paul, who became a follower of Jesus Christ. We call this in Christian circles, he had a conversion experience. He was born again. Call it what you want. Paul goes on to become the greatest missionary who ever lived. Started churches all over the Middle East and Asia Minor. Paul writes letters to the churches and people that are now part of our Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote almost a third of the New Testament. And this is a guy that was going around killing those people early. Talk about grace. He wrote Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Apostle Paul wrote those books. He spends the rest of his life telling the good news of Jesus Christ. He ends up in a Roman prison because he just will not shut up about this Jesus. 
That's a little bit of background about the Apostle Paul. So Paul, in our scripture reading for the morning, talks about the good side of his life. He talks about he had this vision. And he said, I know a certain man who 14 years ago, he's talking about himself, who was carried up to the highest heaven. And I could not put into words, he said, what happened there. He's saying that in the presence of God, it was almost indescribable. We almost indescribable. Then Paul goes to his downside in his life. Paul says, I had this thorn in the flesh, this painful physical ailment. We don't know what it was. I'll talk about that in a minute. What was Paul's physical ailment in the flesh? No one really knows. Somebody said it wasn't his wife because he wasn't married. So it wasn't her. So it must have been somebody else. I don't know. So here is what scholars think could have been Paul's physical ailment. His physical appearance. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 10. My bodily presence is weak. He may be weak and depressed or just not have the energy he once had. Second, epilepsy. It can be painful. It comes and goes. And between attacks, persons can go about their business. Paul may have suffered from severe headaches or migraines. We don't know. Eye trouble. This would also explain his headaches. We need to remember that Paul's conversion experience was a blinding light. He was blind for three days. And maybe the after effects of that experience caused him eye problems. Paul said of the Galatians that they would take out their eyes and give them to him. He's having trouble seeing. No cataract surgery in that day. At the end of his letter to the Galatians, he says, See what large letters I am writing you. And finally, and this is the one that scholars think, Paul may have suffered from repeated attacks of malarial fever, which was very common along the coast of the eastern Mediterranean in that day. According to most writers, one who suffered from that fever would have tremendous headaches. Well, we don't know, but those are some of the things that may have been. Whatever it was, it was a source of frustration for Paul. And he prayed to the Lord, it says here, three times extendedly for God to take this away. But Paul's request was not granted. But he says, I received a better answer. And in verse 9 of the scripture reading for today, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. It's all you need for my power is strongest when you are weak. Wow. So that's grace. It's God's love and acceptance of us as we are, faults and all, warts and all, so to speak. My grace is all you need. This is what Paul is saying about all of this. Now, I believe, my friends, that Paul's acceptance of this grace for not and not God not taking care of that physical illness that he had was his second conversion. He learned it wasn't going away. He said, I got to live with it. Despite having it, he went out and still preached and he did all kinds of things. So this is the Apostle Paul. 
Now, we need to understand, suppose I'm the Apostle Paul. Just make it for a minute. So I go out here, and I pray for Curtis, and he's healed just like that. Or I go back here and pray for one of the choir people, and you're healed, or whatever. So I'm doing all this. On one of his missionary journeys, there was a snake that got on him. Must have been a poisonous snake, because the people were awed that he didn't drop dead. God spared him. So I think what the Apostle Paul was upset about at first was this, Lord... How come I can pray for all these other people, they get well right away, and you don't let me die from a snake bite, but you won't cure me? How about that? What's wrong with that picture, he says? So Paul was never cured of this particular thing that he had, this illness. We just don't know what it was. Now, let's go to us. The chances are most of us here have experienced some loss. A death, an injury, a disease. Can't figure out what is going on. We may have children who have disappointed us and all that kind of thing. All of us have had those days, like it or not. It's part of being a Christian. So let me say this. First of all, none of us as Christians are exempt from pain and hurt and sorrow. Listen to me. None of us as Christians are exempt from pain or suffering or hurt. If that were the case, we'd have so many people in these churches, they wouldn't know what to do. If you become a Christian, and all your pains are going away, and all your kids are going to be just great, and everybody's going to live to 85 or 90 with no problems, man, everybody would buy that, wouldn't they? But that's not the promise. There is no get-out-of-jail-free card for Christians or anybody else. We have to understand that. The Lord did not say to me, Ed Pruitt, I want you to be a minister. And if you'll be a minister, I won't let your father die of cancer or your brother die of cancer. I would have said, that's a good deal. God, I'll take that. That was not explained to me. That was no deal. So the first thing I want to say is this. We need to understand, my friends, when it comes to trials and difficulties in life, there's a difference in God causing something and God allowing something. Understand me? God doesn't cause a lot of these bad things. The forces of evil are out doing that. Why God allows that to happen, we don't know. Only on the other side will we understand it. God gets blamed for war and all kinds of stuff that he's not responsible for. Human beings have caused the war, not God. We misuse our freedom, and that's what we do. Now, we need to have protection. Don't get me wrong. But we can't go around just blaming God for everything. It's a cop-out. When some of the things that happen to us are our fault. A lot of things aren't, but a lot of things are. So we need to take responsibility there. Also, another thing I want to say, it's okay to be mad or angry at God for, or a doctor or whoever. When something happens to your family or to you, for nothing happening, they not getting well. 37 years ago, this month, my father, Charlie W. Pruitt, died on Tangier Island. During that time, I was here. I drove back and forth to Reedville, catch the boat, stay a day or so, come back, so forth. You all helped me out. 
I know David Falk, I remember him. He said, you go to the gas station, fill her up. You're using her gas to do all this. Larry Wills told me this morning that when my father's funeral was going on, he preached for the first time in this church when I was going to my father's funeral. I did, I'd forgotten about that. So what I'm saying is, when my father died, I was sort of angry at God. I was mad. He was a good man. And let me tell you why. One of the reasons why. About four months before we found out he had cancer, he had open heart surgery. And his family had, was all heart surgery, all heart issues. I said, wow, he's going to live to be 90. And then about three or four months later, he finds out he has colon cancer. And when they operate, it's in his liver. Well, 37 years ago, they couldn't do what they do now. And I was just angry at God. I was angry at the doctors who were so specialized that a heart doctor wouldn't know a cancer if he saw one. All that kind of stuff. So I went through that phase. But by the time my father died, by the way, daddy came out here and he went to UVA for his treatments. And he did that. And that was before the hospitals here did all that kind of stuff. You had to go to University of Virginia to get it done. So we did all that, and you all were just so supportive of me during that time. But it's a tough time, a tough thing to do. It really is. But let me tell you, he lived about a year and a half after that. And by the time he died, I had lost all my anger was gone. I was still hurt and upset. And one of the reasons I was felt like that is because my father, who was just a great man, accepted it. He said, well... I can't help it. I'm going to do the best I can. And because he was okay with it, I became okay with it up to a point. Didn't like it. And so anger at God, it happens. It's okay. God can take it. God will forgive us. We have to understand that. But remember, there's a difference between God causing something and God allowing something. So be very, very careful. Let me say this. One can be healed and not cured. I've known of people who were cured, and they went back to living like they've always lived. Haven't changed a bit. Jesus found that out in his healing ministry. He would heal people, and they'd go right back to doing what they always wanted to do. And he would say to the people he healed, don't tell anybody. Because he knew if he showed up, all these people were going to come in droves. And most of the time he healed them. But most of them went back to doing the same old, same old. Wow. We still do that. So, I've known of people who were not cured, but they were healed. In that, after a while, they learned to accept their illness. They learned to accept their disease. They knew they might not live long, and grace was there. Now, they didn't want to die. I agree with what our former bishop, Bishop Goodson, used to say. He said, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go today. (laughs) So we all can equate with that. But there's a time when that does happen. And those of us who are loved ones, we just it's a tough time for us. And we just do the best we can. And they find grace in how we take care of folks and what we do and what they do for us. That's where grace and strength comes in. We just do the best we can. But God, I've known of people who were healed but not cured. And we need to understand that. Also, I want to mention this the last time. We have to, when, when there's an illness, especially if a child dies or there's sickness there, be careful 
what you say. I think one of the most cruel things we say to people who lose a child is that God needed an angel. Wow. Really? Is that why? The child died because he got sick. It became an angel, but God didn't need an angel. That's not why that child died. One mother said, I'll tell you what, I wanted to say to this person when they told me that, I wanted to say, well, I wish God had taken your child and let them be the angel, and I would like to keep mine. So we have to understand that, that we, we, can't, we have to be careful what we say, how we say it. That's not the reason that child died, because God needed an angel. We have to know that. That's not the way God works. Another thing I want to make a comment on, and this is where grace comes in in the tough times. When you have children or grandchildren who do crazy and weird things and hurt themselves, be careful how you judge these folks, especially their families. This is a little story I read. Listen to this. A man in our town had a son, or it could have been a daughter, who had caused him much grief. One day a neighbor inquired how the son was doing. To tell you the truth, the parent said, he's not doing well at all. He's been drinking again, doing drugs, behaving unlawfully. Dear, dear, said the neighbor, if he were my son, I would turn him out. Yes, replied, and I would turn him out if he was yours, but he's my son. How about that? If he's your son or your daughter, you should hang in there with them. You may not agree or like what they do, but that's what we do. We need to do that. This doesn't mean we don't confront them. doesn't mean we have some good, hard, honest conversation. No. But we have to be very careful how we judge people who go through this issue and feeling like because our children are not like that, we're, it's, you know, it's just, we're just, we've been blessed. So we just have to be very, very careful of doing some of that. We need not pass judgment. We need to practice grace and understanding. So, my friends, what we're saying here today, in all these situations that I've addressed, no one is exempt from difficulties and disease and issues. Nobody. What I'm saying is that when these times come, and they will come for any of us and all of us, the Apostle Paul said, my grace is sufficient. It will somehow get you through. It really will. So we need to understand that, believe that, and practice that. So I'm trying to say in all these situations, during the times of testing, Paul says, my grace is sufficient. And I believe that the Apostle Paul was right. God's grace, God's mercy, God's presence, God's love. And the presence of family and friends and the church. And give it all, put it together. Give us the grace and the strength we need to face whatever may come our way. I shared this yesterday at a funeral. I may have shared it here some time ago, and then I'm finished. Uh, many years ago, I was in Matthews County. And I was Matthews before I came here. Uh, Miss Owens was the owner of the retirement center. She called me one day, and she said, uh, 
had a man die today. He's a veteran. Would you do his funeral? There's no family. I can't find anything out. Okay. So, a couple days later, me and the undertaker drove this man to Hampton, Virginia, where there is a veteran's cemetery. We get to the cemetery, and the grave diggers, me and the funeral director, grabbed the casket out the hearse, put it on stand. I say a few words, have a committal, pray for this man, that's it. And I said, wow, that just haunted me. Here was a man who was a veteran, had no family. Well, I don't know whether they were on the outs, whether they all died. There was no taps, no flag, no nothing. Nobody came to his funeral. Nobody. How about that? My friends, if you have family and friends and people who love you, you are blessed beyond measure. Never take it for granted. No matter what things happening, if you've got people that will love you and, and cry with you and laugh with you and be with you, this is how God's grace comes through us to all these other people. So we have to understand that God's grace is out there. And we can't go through life bitter. My biggest fear is I get a little older, I just turned 77, that by the time I get 80, I'm going to be a bitter and grouchy old man. Man, I just hope that's not true. I mean, nobody wants to ha- that to happen to anybody. You know, it's just, and a lot of people get resentful and they get old and they just get old. No. God, for the most part, God has blessed us despite all the stuff we've had. God's grace has been with us, especially if you live in the United States of America. We need to be grateful. If, if again, I'm going back, my wife has heard this a thousand times. If Moses came back to earth and he said, uh, and I met him, I'd say, Moses, I want you to put, we need an 11th commandment, especially for the American people. He said, yes, sir, uh, what what commandment do you want? The commandment would be, thou shalt not whine. (laughs) (laughs) You go on the Internet, and people are griping and complaining about crazy, stupid stuff that doesn't matter anything, and you can tell they're mad as hell at everybody. How sad. Look at where we are. Despite all of our problems, we're blessed. But we're mean-spirited and angry. It's just, we, Christians, we've got to be different than that. We've got to be different. If we act like them, then we're no different. The Apostle Paul said, my grace is all you need. May we never forget it. And that grace is for us.